0: Hello everybody, welcome to the Dharma Toolkit Daily, with me, Chandra Dasa, and my colleague and friend, Sadai Sihi. We're here on day four of the ginormous, strange time that we're all having together around the world. It's very nice to be having this as a reference point every day, getting to speak to the community and hear from some fantastic people around the world with their different voices and their different experiences of what's happening. Hope you're all doing very well out there. Hope your lives are settling into some sort of form that you're comfortable with, some sort of structure. Hope you know that we're all bearing you in mind, whatever is going on. And uh, today we decided appropriately that it would be good to have a conversation about something that will not be too far away from many of us, which is fear. It's been a key aspect, of both of the coverage of this kind of thing and of our own experience. So yes, fear is probably not a stranger to many of us, even if we're not experiencing it ourselves. We'll be aware of fear abroad at times like this, with much change, with the media pouring out stories all day long about the great dangers. So we're going to welcome our guests in a little minute. But first, hello to you, Stai How are you doing? Hi,
1: Chandradasa. I'm well. I'm experiencing mild to moderate anxiety and uh, shades of fear at the moment. <laughs> But yes, I think this is a really interesting topic and definitely something that I've been uh, interested in for the last, well, I've been noticing in my experience, well, I guess the last few weeks. Yeah, it's kind of been, well, manifesting itself in many different ways, both in terms of of worrying about others, also worrying about what I'm doing with my time. Am I making the best use of my time? How am I engaging with the world? And it's a very strange experience, I guess, where we're at at the moment, because the thing we're being asked to do is basically step back and away from people so I think that also causes a level of anxiety and fear because you you know there's a sense of powerlessness yeah. so I'm looking forward to hearing what both our guests have to say any suggestions any tips that I can glean for myself personally <laughs>
0: <laughs> the way you said that made me think of a weather report we should have a fear weather report every day with like <laughs> So fear front coming in with high, high pressure at some point going through the yeah. day.
1: That would be a bit uh, depressing if we did that every day, but yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, this would be a good time to say hello to our guests. I'd like to welcome, first of all, Kusla Devi.
2: Yeah, hi. I'm calling from Nottingham today. A bit like see here, I've been very aware of fear in my experience, particularly the last, the last few days, actually, and grateful for my practice as a means of meeting that but also just surprised at the strength of it and sort of taken aback and a bit shocked at how strong that fear has been yeah i'm really sort of looking forward actually to what we've got to say about it to the responses and yeah just how to
0: meet that in our experience at this time and welcome to to Posadini.
3: hello so um i'm calling from glasgow which is funny. Yeah. So Chandra Das and I are sort of, we've switched. So I'm the North American in Scotland and Chandra Das is the Scottish person in North America. Yeah. And I've been thinking a lot about fear recently as well. And sort of surprised that I'm actually not not more afraid than I am at the moment, which, you know, it could come, it could come. Actually, I feel more afraid doing this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, there's something about that vulnerability that comes as sort of exposing yourself. Yes, I'm interested to hear what other people have to say and glad to be here.
0: I'd just make it clear to anyone who's thinking of volunteering to come on this podcast. This is not a particularly scary podcast. We're very cuddly. Yesterday, funnily enough, we had a very interesting guest also from Scotland, Dana Badry she said this great thing about working with very dangerous viruses in her past professional life and she said something like the current virus is not a scary monster from the deep it evolved on this planet the same way we did which i just thought was so beautiful like it was such a relief i felt real relief when she said it and that seemed quite a good way into fear is actually relief which is what what we want when we're feeling afraid or anxious
3: Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about just sort of preparing for this podcast, thinking about fear and sort of opening up to the remit, as it were, was looking at a kind of a realistic Buddhist perspective. And then I was thinking about, also what is the sort of Buddhist perspective on fear? Because it's not something we necessarily talk about so much in terms of like the teachings. we talk about anxiety and restlessness and worry and things like that. But then I was thinking about the heart sutra. Yeah. That came into my mind, but dwelling in pranya wisdom and freed of delusive hindrance and rid of the fear bred by it. It's like the wisdom to turn towards what we find uncomfortable releases us from fear. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I've just been thinking about that in terms of connectedness and integration, it was interesting because it's hard to articulate without sounding like a bumper sticker, isn't it? It's, you know, like, we're all connected, dude, you know, like, there's nothing to fear, you know?
0: <laughs> are you good at experiencing fear? I, I know yeah. like often it takes me a while to realise that's what's going on. It's like, I'm afraid.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. I think it does take a while to... I'm, and I noticed that, like, when we decided to close the Buddhist Centre, there was a lot of energy and a lot of sense of, like, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to respond And it's quite easy to sort of get caught up in that sort of energy that wants to find relief from the fear, if that makes sense. And I think it's sometimes only in retrospect that I realize, oh, we were a bit panicked. You know, there was a sort of a panic response going on there. So I don't know whether I'm good at experiencing fear. I think that's an interesting question. I think it really is about sort of holding the energy of what's arising well, you know, and it's sometimes it is really, really intense. Yeah.
1: I really like what you're saying there about energy. I think I relate to what you're saying, I guess, in terms of the five hindrances that we talk about in Buddhism, restlessness, anxiety, well, actually anxiety, not even restlessness would be something I experience a lot. And it's funny Because obviously anxiety is related to fear, but I would never even use that word in my experience particularly. I think maybe I'm even slightly afraid of using the word fear because fear sounds so big and monumental. Whereas I think anxiety is okay, it's kind of lower level. But I think it's the same territory really, isn't it? And one of the ways I found useful working with anxiety or whatever it might be over the years is just to think of it in terms of energy. And for me, that helps to peel off the story that comes along with it because I've just noticed that anytime I try and attack the story or work at the story at its own level, whatever that might be, whether it's in terms of my work or in terms of relationships with people or even this current situation, you know, trying to solve it on its own level just doesn't ever seem to be very satisfying. You know, kind of, it just keeps moving off somewhere else. Thinking of it in terms of energy and then, I guess,
2: working with the energy seems like a really good a good starting point yeah I think that's really interesting today I see here I was thinking about the work that I used to do as a fundraiser door knocking in a Buddhist context and a lot of what I was experiencing there knocking on a stranger's door and asking them for money was was fear so it's like I'm very used to knowing what fear is like in my experience and those sensations and what was essential then a bit like you say is just like noticing those sensations and just allowing them to be there as energy without without the story just sort of holding them and actually bringing a lot of kindness to my experience as well and just trying to be curious about that experience and you know so often as soon as then I was meeting another being that energy would change like you say there's a, there's the potential then if we can stay with it and not add stories like there is the potential for that energy to go somewhere different and, and change into something else But I was sort of struck, actually, like the fear that I've experienced in the last few days has been just a bit different from that. I would describe what I was just talking about, knocking on strangers' doors, this sort of underlying niggly kind of fear. (laughs) And what I've experienced in the last few days has been more like a grip of panic every now and then. So the sensations feel different in my body and in that way it does feel a bit stronger and and so it's almost like the fear feels a bit more scary and again I notice like then the, there's the resistance to that experience of fear <laughs> and when I can do what you were talking about which is just like turn towards that experience and feel into it and just allow it to be there of course it changes and it moves but there's definitely resistance to the strength of that sort of feeling or emotion.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? Because I've I've heard a few times this expression, we have nothing to fear, but fear itself being bandied around recently. And I guess maybe it's true. And well, I, I guess it is true, isn't it? That, you know, being afraid of being afraid is just making it worse.
0: I was actually thinking, and when I told a few people we were going to do a podcast on fear, some people just said, good, like as if, you know, they recognised why we would be talking about that. But afterwards, I was thinking to myself that often my experience of fear is tied up with other emotions that are quite nearby, and one of them is sometimes shame. You get an awful lot of discourse telling you not to be afraid. And of course, that's usually well meant. People don't want you to be afraid because it's unpleasant, right? But it's almost become a value that you don't experience fear. And sometimes the kind of knock on emotions right next door to something like fear. It becomes part of a complex of emotion. And that seems to be something that people are experiencing at the moment is there's so many inputs. And there are so many triggered emotions in all sorts of areas that relate to each other and talk to each other.
2: Interesting saying that about so many inputs. The other thing I've been thinking around fear is like, I, I really need to be wise about sort of limiting the input and limiting what I'm sort of reading, looking at, watching. Because I do notice if I'm doing that more and more, there's this sort of rolling effect of like, oh, I want to know more about that. Oh. And it's like that, it's that that does lead to the fear. So there's something around in a wisdom in like knowing what I need to know without going too far into sort of proliferation and panic and like oh I I must know more about that and I'm finding that really hard actually where that boundary is I'm finding that really sort of tricky so I want to be well informed and I want to care for myself and others and I don't want to be at the point where I'm, I'm taking in so much that actually I'm living this experience of fear the whole time yeah
1: I had that experience too actually gosol Davey and I just made a call that I was told myself I'm not going to check the news more than twice a day because I figured if there's going to be something really really important happening twice a day, I'll pick it up and after that it's just obsessive checking and checking and checking for updates and it's like it it becomes compulsive well I found it I found it very compulsive that I was just reading, reading more and more and more. The more I read, the more I wanted to read. So it just felt like I had to just apply discipline.
2: Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Good idea. (laughs) I might think about doing that for myself in some form. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And I was just thinking like, well, what is the fear? What is this kind of like deep fear? You know, you were mentioning it too, because the Devi, like this kind of deep panic, like it sort of hits this really deep kind of existential kind of place what's going on, isn't it? Because it's like, the ground has completely shifted from underneath us, you know, and it's not to be discounted that we have to really catch up with that in ourselves. Yeah. And there's thinking like, well, what is that fear? And it's this like fear that of death, isn't it? It's this like real fear of like that. everything that we know is going to come to an end, which is ultimately what will happen. You know, this is ultimately what will happen. And this is the practice as Buddhists to keep turning towards the reality of death of everything is change and this too will change just strong
0: because i'm aware with you that we've been friends for some years i know that you went through cancer treatment before was that something that you really had to grapple with was that specificity of the fear around mortality or was it more Mm -hmm. was it broader based than that? How did that manifest?
3: It's interesting because I was thinking about that today. I was talking to a friend of mine and thinking about the kind of stages that we go through when we're coming to terms with something quite big in our lives. She was talking about it in terms of some experiences she'd had, some trauma experience. So we're talking about in terms of trauma and it's like in a way we've all kind of collectively going through this massive trauma together. What I learned from that experience of going through like an illness was that actually at this point, we're just kind of getting through it. There was a point where I was going through treatments and like doctor's visits and all that and sort of like coming into relationship with how my body was changing and my health. And then at some point you pop out the other end and they sort of like go, okay, you're all good. We patched you up, everything's fine. You know, you'll get monitored now. And it's like, that's kind of when it hits, you know, on a deeper level that like, oh, right now this is my new reality. And it's like, I have to come into relationship with that new reality. That's when a lot of the kind of nihilism set in for me, you know, this, this kind of like this fear of like, what is this? Like, I didn't ask for this and a lot of the anger. So it's like, there's all these phases of grieving in the face of loss. And it's a bit like what we're all going to be going through, you know, so it's really good to respond in the immediate, but we also have to look towards when we pop out the other end, how are we going to take care of each other? to sort of process this trauma together. Because right now, I think we're just kind of getting through, you know, we're trying to do it well, obviously. So those are some of the reflections that I'd kind of had about all of this. It's a long game.
0: So maybe one question for people listening, who I'm sure will relate to aspects of all of this is, what works? What works for you? I don't mean that in some sort of ultimate sense. What conquers fear? It's more like, what works day to day in small moments and big moments when it comes to working with your own fear as Buddhists with a particular kind of practice or framework?
2: Yeah, I think what's been working for me and what's been coming quite naturally, actually, as a response is broadening my experience as, as well as that. What we were talking about earlier, that sort of turning towards and being with the sensations then broadening my experience actually to more people and the sort of care, the metta, the love, the kindness that I can cultivate towards more beings. And I really feel that it does just sort of shift the emphasis. It's like connecting and touching into that that care and really really wishing others well it's like oh that's oh yeah it's like the fear is is that others aren't going to be well so in a way like I can all I can do is sort of wish that they will (laughs) and in a way not doing that in a way of like oh they must they must like not in a compulsive way but just actually allowing that natural sense of like oh I really want myself and all beings to be well yeah, I've just found that really helpful, just sort of broadening, but also that sense of just like, oh, all I can do is just wish as well in this and wish that we, you know, that we get through this as best as we can. Yeah.
3: I think for me, there's real working with the part that is feeling the fear or feeling the anxiety or whatever the feeling, you know, whatever the emotion is, it feels quite strong. And it's like identifying with that part of myself and actually inviting that part of myself into my heart. So really like opening my heart to that part of myself, I find just really, really helpful. What that does for me personally is it's not making that part an enemy, you know? So it's like, it's welcoming that part into my heart so that they can just be soothed and accepted and seen and loved. Yeah. Yeah. So similar to what Kusala Davies, yeah. Just like really loving ourselves and loving all of these parts of ourselves and not making any of them a problem is really for me yeah just a really really strong practice and really important well i guess for me uh
1: probably something feels quite basic if i'm really in the thick of things thick of anxiety it's just to put myself in good conditions so Yeah, well, one thing I've been finding really helpful is going out for a walk, being in nature. I've been really noticing the effect that has on my mood, even when I'm feeling anxious. The longer I stay out walking around a green space, the, the sort of more I feel just a bit more human again. And similarly, you know, touching in with friends. Yeah, making sure I exercise, making sure I get breaks, meditating. All those things, you know, that are just... Just helpful if you're just working with your mental states, not trying to go in there immediately. I mean, yes, I have also talked about, you know, trying to see the energy and disengage from the stories, but just even at that most basic level, I have, I think over the years of practice, I have great faith in trusting the conditions will help. So that's definitely helping at the moment. But also, one thing I've picked up on a few talks that I've listened to the, this past while is just that quality of fearlessness, you know, and, and the Abhaya Mudra, which is that gesture of fearlessness quite a few people have mentioned the importance of well what can we do at the moment well one thing we can do is be that person who gives confidence to others so I don't necessarily feel I'm at that stage myself but I would aspire to be there and I think what I found helpful is reflecting on people who I know in my life who embody that for me and even just bringing them to mind actually has kind of made me feel a little bit more grounded it's like oh yeah okay yeah Let's move in that direction. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's fabulous. Bringing out the quality of fearlessness as a practice. Not something that you have to have or not have, but something that you're looking to sort of explore and embody. and How that connects to the idea of just loving those bits of yourself that are scared and freaked out by the whole thing. Like, why would you expect them not to be? Of course they are. You know, that just that aspect of both setting up conditions for yourself and just having a realistic sense of who you are seems very important. At that point about a practice of fearlessness, Stacey, calls to mind one of my favourite suttas we were all talking about a little bit before, the Atadanda Sutta, uh, often translated as arming oneself, and sometimes evoked as a kind of root text about fear. And uh, I thought it'd be quite cool if we could actually just read this very beautiful translation by Andrew Alinsky that's available online, we'll include it in the podcast notes for anyone who wants to look it up themselves afterwards. So we're going to just do a little story time for you about fear, if you're listening. <laughs> sort of international experiment of co-reading poetry together. So this is the Sutta, the Atadanda Sutta, Arming Oneself, an excerpt translated by Andrew Alinsky. Fear is born from arming oneself. Just see how many people fight. I'll tell you about the dreadful fear that caused me to shake all over.
3: Seeing creatures flopping around, like fish in water too shallow, so hostile to one
2: another. Seeing this, I became afraid. This world completely lacks essence. It trembles in all directions. I longed to find myself a place, unscathed, but I could not see it.
1: Seeing people locked in conflict. I became completely distraught. But then I discerned here a thorn, hard to see, lodged deep in the heart.
0: It's only when pierced by this thorn that one runs in all directions. So if that thorn is taken out, one does not run and settles down.
3: Who here has crossed over desires, the world's bond so hard to get past? He does not grieve, she does not mourn, his stream is cut, she's all unbound.
2: What went before, let go of that. All that's to come, have none of it. Don't hold on to what's in between, and you'll wander fully at peace. For whom there
1: is no eye-making, all throughout the body and mind, And who grieves not for what is not, is undefeated in the world.
0: For whom there is no, this is mine, nor anything like, that is theirs. Not even finding selfness, they do not grieve at, I have nothing. So aren't they fantastic verses? Definitely one of my favourite suttas. I think that's a very lovely translation. Sometimes the stuff at the end, I get a little tripped over you know the sort of nature of selfness etc there's something so beautiful that comes through i think from just that simple image of moving away from a place that's dominated by fear towards something else it's kind of realistic you're not going to shake the whole thing off but it's like you set a direction and you move you move there
3: yeah i really love this translation particularly the thorn Lodged deep in the heart. Yeah, it's just beautiful, very evocative of just this thing that causes us just to like run around and do all of these things, get involved in all of these activities and act in all these different ways. And it's actually just in our heart, yeah, that we just need to look and just gently and gently pull it out. What's that fable of the lion with the thorn in its paw? It's a bit like that, isn't it? It's quite beautiful. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that really came through for me, the sort of tone of this sense of being at peace or at ease, which in a way that's what you want really when you're feeling fear, isn't it? Um, I really, I was struck by the verse that I read about not dwelling on what went before or what's to come, but also not holding on to what's in between. So this sense of just like a real not holding on to anything at all in, in a way, you know, just a sense of letting things move. It reminds me again of what we were saying about the energy earlier with Sodai, hes saying about like, that energy and just allowing it to move, sort of not fixing it, it not becoming too disabling, yeah.
0: It's interesting too, isn't it, that it's actually the Buddha speaking. And when people hear something like the Buddha, that's such a complex idea in a way, but they probably don't imagine someone who's standing watching other people flopping around like fish in water that's too shallow. I don't know about you, but every time I see the news or something online, that's exactly what it feels like. I could feel my animal response watching distress is distressing. And I think there's something lovely about the fact that that's just where the Buddha's discourse comes in on this. It's just that human experience of watching other people being distressed, relating to that distress, and noticing something in your own experience that resonates, and then trying to come into a relationship with it.
3: I was just reflecting, though, a little bit on just the end, but does not grieve that I have nothing. You know, again, it's that sense of, like, we're in this Particular moment in time. Well, it's we're particularly aware of this moment of what's happening at this moment in time. I mean, I think it's always like this, isn't it? Like the rug is always being pulled out from underneath us in small ways. And now it's just happened on this massive global scale. And we're all sort of in this together. And we have to come into the relationship with the fact that this is the nature of reality, it's always changing, and that we have nothing to hold on to. Well, we have something, yeah, that brings us then to, well, what is there to hold on to?
2: Yeah, I was just thinking about that, that sense of having a perspective. And I often just feel really grateful for my for Dharma practice in the sense of that I have done a little bit of reflecting on those those sort of truths, you know, that we are impermanent and we will lose people that we love. And at, at times like this, I feel that that perspective just really supports me. And at the same time, another thing that supports me is then the interconnectedness of us and those acts that can sort of support that. So, you know, there's been a lot of small acts in my community and things that I see more widely that are just very beautiful and just sort of show that in these times of fear like we can respond to each other with love yeah i just find that really 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 reassuring like actually what are the small actions that i can do for myself and others because we are connected yeah
0: yeah that's great isn't it the holding you were talking about Bisatt, and the complexity of the holding that's required to kind of be in that place and then that flowers into what you just said But the natural behavior of someone who's holding that is to start opening out to people It's quite an art, isn't it? It reminds me of an interview with Robert Frost. I think it's in the Paris Review. It's an old interview with him, and someone's talking to him about where's the line in writing poetry between self-indulgence and testimony and witness. And he says something like, it's grief without grievance, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. You know, you have dukkha, you have suffering as part of your experience, and you're not pretending it's not there, and you're attending to it. But then if you're not doing grievance alongside it something else comes out of it which is poetry or beauty or kindness or love it's very mysterious isn't it it's like a mystery to the art of this yeah that's really beautiful
2: mm-hmm.
3: yeah i was just thinking about just coming back to kind of death and like impermanence last year after my mother died there was this this real sense of like how do i hold this experience you know which is just so shattering And what just kept coming up for me in that, and I think this is something to do with what we're talking about in terms of like moving towards fear, it's like, I just had to really trust that no matter what happened, that I would be taken care of. In a way, it's like kind of what I was saying earlier, it's like, well, what can we trust? What can we hold on to? And it's like, what I found in that experience was, I have to hold on to the fact and the reality that I can be loved and I can trust that that will be there but it's not always going to be there in the way that I think it's going to be there but there's kind of that faith and that confidence comes in doesn't it in something bigger and being held in something bigger and that beauty and that love you're more receptive to that in that space and this gratitude for what you do have yeah yeah
0: that's all we have time for today I hope it's been helpful to hear that real Buddhists experience real fear, normal people, just like you, and a perfectly natural response. Yes, so I'd like to thank our guests for coming and sharing their experience of working with anxiety, with trembling, with fear in the face of what is quite a serious time, and hopefully evoking something of what helps them make it through. So I'd like to thank Pasadne from... Scotland
3: yeah thanks for having me and it's been lovely to see you Chandra
2: Nasa, and lovely to see everyone Kusladevi Sadasi, yeah
0: and Devi who's in Nottingham
2: yeah thank you all I've actually found it really helpful and I feel like I'll go away with some more tools to work with fear myself so yeah thanks bye bye <laughs>
0: And Sudai Sehi, thanks again for co-hosting from Dublin, far into the evening and your working day beyond the call of duty.
1: Yeah, thanks Chandrase. I've also enjoyed discussing this and yeah, feel like I have a few more tips to try out. So
0: thanks. And thanks to all of you for tuning in and uh, checking in with your community or a community, a sort of unique community every day, I guess on a podcast day, probably never the same audience twice, never the same audience in the whole history of humanity ever again. It's just us this time listening it's been great to have our guests exploring this topic we'll be back tomorrow in the meantime you can meditate with us as usual we have two meditations a day it may be the morning it may be the afternoon it may be the evening you can find the times at the slash toolkit and join 100 150 people around the world something like that just sitting together in silence what a way to meet fear fantastic And you can also join the Community Toolkit, of course, share the things that help you overcome the difficult aspects of this and also the things that inspire you or just keep you amused while you're locked down indoors, whatever it is we're all doing at the moment. And we'll see you again very soon for another edition of the Daily Toolkit. Bye for now.